0: If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 2 tonight. And I absolutely love this time of year. I love uh, the Christmas season. Absolutely adore it. And I hope that as you go about your Christmas planning, shopping, all the things that you're doing, because this time of year is special to me simply because I sense the presence of God in a special way in December as we get ready to celebrate His birth. And tonight I want to talk about the the three wise men that came and bowed down at Jesus' feet and some lessons that they could show us, some things they can teach us by way of the Word of God tonight. And have, have you ever pondered this? And I haven't studied this really deeply, but I do want to say it as I get started tonight. H- have you ever read this Christmas story, especially in Matthew where he recounts the three wise men? Or it doesn't even say it. It says three gifts, and I'm going to dig into that a little bit. It wasn't just three people. It was actually probably an enormous caravan of guards and warriors and people with swords and and they brought a lot more than just three gifts they would have traveled a pretty long distance to get to Jesus but this time of year I get to thinking about this subject of the wise men and and how they fit into the story of Christmas and really my question has always kind of been is how in the world would these three magi, the wise men, which would have really probably, in our understanding of of history at the time and the way other kingdoms were set up, because they would have come from a place that scholars would tell us was probably modern-day Iran and Iraq, that area. And uh, as we dig into this tonight, we kind of have some misconceived notions of why they came and who they were. But as I've always read this, I've always kind of said to myself, how did these wise men, these magi, these, these people that were high-ranking officials in an entirely another kingdom, why and how were they looking for the king of the Jews? How and why were they seeking and making a journey from where they were that was a long, dangerous distance away from where they were living, and they made this journey with, with lots of gold and frankincense and myrrh that we celebrate this time of year? And how in the world did they ever come across and be looking for the Savior of the world? Because when they came and bowed down to Jesus' feet, the things that they brought are significant. We're going to talk about this tonight. I've always asked the question of how were they looking for the coming of, of the king? Why were they? And really, you have to go back into the book of Daniel to understand why these magi, these wise men, these people who were in the court of kings in their present day who were looked at to give wisdom and to interpret dreams and to interpret visions. All the things that Daniel did under his Babylonian captivity, because Daniel probably would have been very young when he was taken into captivity in the Old Testament. Of course, the Babylonians come, they conquer, they haul off. Really what they did, if you understand history, is they began to take away the most influential, most well-educated people of a different culture that was conquered and they would bring them back to their country and they would begin to educate them and train them. And God clearly said to the peoples that were taken into captivity, hey, I want you to work towards and pray for the peace of the place that you're living. So Daniel was somebody who we know was completely sold out to God to the point that he would have rather been put in a lion's den than to bow his knee to a golden idol. But he also was somebody who was very influential in the kingdom. And the reason that this is important when we study this tonight is simply this. If we're wondering why and how, when you read that, well, they, they were studying the stars, and they said the Messiah's star has, has risen, so let's pack up and let's make our journey. How would they have known this? Well, we understand that they knew this because Daniel would have brought the books that they currently had and were studying in the Old Testament. Of course, the Old Testament didn't exist. They would have brought their teaching, and they would have begun. Daniel would have begun to teach other wise men and other magi. We call the period, and I've certainly called it um, the 400-year period between Malachi and here in Matthew when the Savior of the world is, is pronounced and announced that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. That 400-year period is called a time of silence. But if you really begin to study it and understand it, again, I haven't studied it deeply, but I have come to the understanding that these wise men were looking for the coming of the Messiah because of the influence that Daniel brought to the Babylonian Empire because they all would have looked at Daniel as the head, most awesome, incredible magi because that's what he was. He would have been in service to the king. And when he was able to interpret the king's dream, of course, he was elevated to the point where we see after the lion's den, Daniel was elevated to the place of the highest person under the king. So if you don't think that God's influence didn't begin to extend into that empire and into that culture, in other words, we understand that they were looking for the Messiah because they had been taught by Daniel of who the Messiah was going to be and all the prophetic things in the book of Daniel. As a matter of fact, liberal scholars who do not take the Bible literally and seriously have argued for, for hundreds of years that Daniel couldn't have been the one to finish and write his book because he prophesied what was going to happen in the 400 years between when the book of Malachi to the announcement of, in other words, they were living in silence, but they really weren't living in silence because God had already told Daniel, this is exactly how everything's going to happen up until the birth of the king of of Israel, And I love this time of year because as I go around, I just don't see a tree. I actually look at that tree and think Jesus came to die on a tree. Yeah. I don't just look and see lights on a tree. I see that Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. Yeah. I look at a candy cane and I don't just see red and white stripes. I look at it. I see a shepherd's crook. Yeah. And I see the red for the blood, and the white for the fact that He has cleansed me, and my sins were like scarlet, but they are now fresh and clean and pure because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So, an understanding tonight as we de- delve into the Magi and the and the kings. And again, we have the have a thinking in our mind because, and this is anything wrong with this? As our little Christmas plays and whatnot, we have, you know, three people come and they have their gifts and. And that's, that's wonderful to put a focus on that. But again, they would have been a very large caravan. The scripture we're getting ready to read in Matthew 2, it says that them coming into town caused a huge uproar. Not, not just with King Herod, but it said all of Jerusalem was in an uproar. Well, let me tell you why. Because when these people came from that area and they were armed and they were all coming into town, it meant that there was probably going to be a war between the Romans and these this other kingdom because... This other kingdom, the Persians, were constantly conquering Israel, and then, of course, the Romans conquered Israel. So the the big uproar at this time was because they saw this coming, and they said, wow, there's getting ready to be fighting broke out, but they weren't there to fight. They were there to worship. They weren't there to take over. They were there to come and honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And another reason I love this time of year is because we are living in dark times. How many would agree? Just turn on the news, y'all. I mean... It is, it is very dark. As a matter of fact, I would even encourage you in this season, I have done this because I began to find myself from some of the social media posts that I would pull up and the, the wars. That doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to what's going on, but I, I found myself just becoming uh, affected by it. Amen? Just seeing all these things and all the turmoil and all the war, and I thought, Lord, you know, for the next couple weeks as I focus in on you, and, yes, there is darkness But if Christmas teaches us anything, it should teach us this. That when Jesus came, he didn't come and get rid of darkness. He came right in the midst of darkness. When Jesus came, he didn't come and do away with a lot of things. He came right in the midst. Which means no matter what kind of a place you're in tonight, God can enter into that place, into that circumstance, into that difficulty, into that trying time that you are currently in and under. And he can bring his presence and light, because if you read the Christmas story, and I, I again, I love this time of year. I think it is incredibly important for us as disciples of Jesus uh, during this time of year to focus on his birth, but to also focus on the fact that he's coming again, to focus on Advent, which means coming. He came once, but church, he's coming again. And this time of year is a great time to just focus on some of these truths because I love the sounds of Christmas, I love the smells of Christmas, I love the cookies, I love, I love putting on my ugly Christmas sweater and winning. I've won every ugly Christmas sweater contest I've ever been to, and I'm proud of that. But church, if, if we don't focus on what is really the real reason for the, the season, then we can miss the beauty of God entering into our world. It was 400 years of what they thought was silence. God had already told them how this 400-year period was going to go. Because go back to the book of Daniel, and you'll read how the kingdoms would, would begin to rise and fall, and the stage being set. For as it says in Galatians, when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son. And you had these wise men. You had these magi. You had these these high-level government kings and officials were looking for the sign that the Messiah, the king of the Jews, and they also understood he wasn't just king of the Jews. He was king of kings and lord of lords. They took this very seriously, and for us to refocus ourselves on some things we need to take seriously because I don't know about you, but we, we focus on getting the right gift. We focus on getting the the best gift. And sometimes we feel bad because maybe we're struggling a little bit and we can't get quite the gift that we want to give. But if we really dig into the Christmas story and understand we were given the best gift that we could ever have been given, the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And he was born of a virgin because if he would have been born of the seed of man, then he wouldn't be fully God and fully man. And the Christmas season is where we refocus on that. So this story found in Matthew 2 today gives us an account of the celebration of the coming of the Messiah. And the celebration wasn't, and our celebration shouldn't be because of what we can receive from him. But I want to focus on tonight. Heading into 2024, this is as much a message for the end of 23 and some things the Lord's speaking to me about the beginning of 2024. And how many know and understand the way you leave one one place or situation is usually the way you enter into the next, right? So over these next couple of Wednesdays and a couple of Sundays, I really want to refocus, this, refocus, and, and give you some words from the Lord. That I feel like he's preparing us for 2024. How many want 2024 be a year that you go closer to Jesus like you've never been before? I'm talking close, close. Because, and I'll say this and wasn't planning on saying it, but we should have our hearts prepared and ready for the coming of Jesus. We absolutely should. This isn't a sermon about the, the parousia, the, the snatching up of the church and the return of Christ. But really, Christmas is a season where we not only focus on the first coming, but we look at the second coming of Christ. So if you're in Matthew 2, let's read it together. Verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? Again, you stop there. And you just say to yourself, why were they looking for the king? Why were they all the far away off in the east? And scholars in history would tell us they came from an area probably in modern day Iran area all the way down here to worship the king of the Jews. And again, I think they had an understanding of the truth and were looking for Messiah. Much in the same way, when we understand the Bible and we understand what God's truth is, we should lift our eyes and look and begin to expect the coming of Jesus Christ. They said, we saw the star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now again, they were disturbed and there was a big uproar because this wouldn't have been three people on camels. This would have been a huge caravan that was protected under the protection of one of the largest, most, most uh, feared kingdoms in all the world at the time come marching in. And it's like, well, is there going to be war? Are they going to fight with the Romans? Are we going to be caught in the middle? It caused a huge uproar. This was not a small caravan. It was a huge one. And verse 4, when he had called together all the, people, all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to get rid of him, right? After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the godchild was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another way. Everybody say another way. way. Heavenly Father, as we get into your word tonight, I pray that the helper, as always, would help us understand your word. Lord, would you open up to each heart exactly what they need? Because, Lord, that's far above and beyond my ability to do. So, as always, anything said of Jason Hanks, let it fall by the wayside. But anything said under the unction and anointing, which I desperately need, Lord, is said, Father, let it go into the hearts of the people of God tonight. As we focus on this season, Lord, let us keep our eyes focused on you and the gift and the miracle that that showed up in Bethlehem that we're reading about. Lord, we celebrate you and magnify you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So they came in one way, but they left another way. I love how it ends that portion of scripture with they came this way, but they left another way. And I think that's a word for some of you in here tonight. You may have been headed one way, but God wants to arrest you where you are and begin to send you a different way. 2023 heading into 2024, I want to give you hope tonight that the Christmas story clearly teaches us that no matter what dead end that you have faced or what obstacle that is in front of you, God always can lead you another way. You may say tonight, well, pastor, I know that I need another way in my marriage because it's falling apart. Or I need another way in my job situation because things aren't going well and I've been demoted. Or whatever the situation is tonight, I want you to know that God always has another way to lead us. Amen? He always has another way to... But notice this. The way that they changed was after an encounter with Jesus. If you want a new way in 2024, let me give you the biggest secret and the best help I can standing right up here preaching the word to you tonight. If you want to go another way, you first have to encounter Jesus. Because if you don't encounter Jesus, you just keep going your own way over and over and over again. And some of you have run into the same obstacle and run into the same difficulties. And I just want to say to you tonight from my heart, prophetically, at the end of 23, no matter what kind of year you had, good, bad, or indifferent, you can have a different way in 2024 because God sent a Savior in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. Amen? So the way that you're going, if it ain't working, that's the the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that really is the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? Is it that the most hard-hearted person that that doesn't care about the Bible, believe the Bible, and anything else, upon an encounter with Jesus, even a baby in a manger can actually set you on a different course. And that is what God wants to do in the end of this year heading into 2023, 24 rather. I'm already a year behind. You guys see that? (laughs) So how do we do that? If these men found another way, what did they do we can learn from to discover a new way? Everybody say a new way. I just wanna that's the that's the picture as I've been praying for the new year and I've been spending a lot of time praying for two thousand twenty four. Lord, what what is it that we need to keep doing? What is it we need to quit doing? All right? That's that's as far as the church goes. What ministries need to be, you know, what ministries need to be cut off and what ministries need to expand. So for one simple reason, that we can reach a lost and dying world. And not just in the church's life, but in your personal life, God can have a new way. But it's found right here in verse 11 that we just read. So I want to give you real simple, three real simple lessons. These are really simple, but I really believe that if you can grab a hold of these from the story of the Magi, the story of the wise men, as we call them, that sought out, that made a journey. The Christmas story is amazing because you see all these different people because the story of Christmas and the story of the gospel is that we could not get to God, so God came to us. That's Emmanuel. That is God with us. You say, God with me where? God is with you wherever you are right now tonight. He's with you in the hard times. He's with you in the rejoicing times. He's with you in the difficulties. He's with you on the mountaintops. He's with you all the time. So that's the story of Christmas is Emmanuel. That's my favorite name of God. I don't know about anybody else in here, but the thought that God would leave heaven itself, the glory of heaven, the maker of the heaven and the the earth. One, One gospel starts with the human genealogy of Jesus. So we see that, that Jesus' human family is represented. And then I love how John starts his gospel because actually we begin to understand that Jesus has always existed and he is God. So we actually have our origin in him. And another gospel starts with his origin in us. So he's the God-man. Amen? Amen. The first thing, if you're taking notes tonight, it says they came to the house, seeing Jesus' mother married, and they bowed down. Everybody say bowed down which simply means this, and this is important for, for Christmas season, but I think it's important in life in general, is they came with a spirit of humility. Do you see that? Wise men, great leaders, great kings, great people. Again, if you see just three kind of, you know, wise men coming up with, with on camels, these would have been people that were very important in their culture. These would have been the big cheese. These would have been the big people. And humility, I found, will solve a lot of problems, and pride will cause a lot of problems. Anybody else experience that? I hope you have. Humility will solve a lot of problems, and pride will cause... I have looked back through my life and realized that most of the problems that I have encountered in my life have been because I have been operating in a place of pride, whether it be uh, issues in my family, issues with my kids, issues at work, wherever it is that you operate, most problems can be traced back. And we see these wise men came... And the first thing they did when they encountered Mary and the king of the Jews, a baby in a manger, it says that they bowed down. Humility will solve problems. Pride will create problems. Amen? Just think about it. So many problems that we have are created by simply operating. And The Bible says very clearly that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to what? The humble. I mean, if you are here tonight and you think you're all that in a bag of chips, come on. Hey, let's just open those chips because it's probably 90% hot air and a few chips. Come on, somebody. This Christmas season, 2023, heading into 2024, you're asking how I'm going to find a new way in my life. Let me tell you the very first key. It's humility. Wisdom starts, the Bible says in Proverbs, by bowing down to God. The very, first, the very first chapter of Proverbs, which is our book of wisdom, shows us the key to all of life. It starts by bowing down to God. It starts by understanding that you can't figure it all out by yourself. It starts with an acknowledgement that if we could have saved ourselves, then Jesus never would have had to be born in a manger. And that has always been humanity's problem. If you look at society today, if you look at our culture today, all across the world, we have always been trying to figure out ways. We we say, well, if we can just get enough, enough technology, then we can solve all of our problems. If we can just do enough. Actually, we've ended up causing a lot more problems with the things that we've created. Because we lift them up as idols and we forget that there's a God that came from heaven to earth to show us what the way is. And the way that we see is Jesus being born in a, in a and in, laid in a manger and born in Bethlehem of humble means. Simply means that we have to start with humility too. If you want your 2024 to be different, let me tell you the first key. And that just starts by simple humility. Think about this. These magi, the kings... All of their learning, all of their knowledge, all of their resources, all of their education, and outside of this door as they show up to this house, it would have probably caused a huge stir in Bethlehem because, again, a huge caravan of wealth for the king of the Jews. And it simply says they came to a baby, Jesus, and they bowed down. Can we do this? Can we make humility a goal for the rest of 2023? And going into 2024, the reason I say that isn't because I think you're necessarily prideful, (laughs) right? doesn't mean that, that it means that we all have areas of pride in our life that the Holy Spirit can identify and we can just come and bow down to him. These were educated, wealthy people that came and just bowed themselves, bowed their knee to Jesus. Be humble, be kind. If there's something you should need to carry into 2024... It's just to be humble and kind. I spend uh, one of my pastors, I have really three, but two pastors that I speak to regularly. And you guys know who Pastor Howe is. He came and filled in in the summertime when we took a couple weeks vacation there. And those times that he's around, I go out and we will have lunch or dinner. And I'm always amazed being around this man because he absolutely makes it his mission to connect with everybody he comes across. And one day with him and I kind of laughed because I'm like, we have to spend 30 extra minutes at this restaurant because you've gotten into a deep conversation with a, with a, you know, waiter or waitress. And we were up at breakfast station one time and he comes back with these gift cards. and I'm like, well, what are you doing? And I thought they were for me. That's, that's not humility. That's not humility. I'm like, oh, I get a free breakfast from Pastor Howe. It was for the waitress. He just wanted to bless her. I don't think it would bless her to eat at the place she worked at, but that's a whole other story. I'm not even gonna, we'll, we'll leave that one alone. But I was pondering that, in the, and I said, well, Lord, that's just his personality. And the Holy Spirit said, no, that's my personality coming through him. Because if, if we could understand the story of Christmas as one of genuine humility, where the God of heaven and earth, the one who spoke all the stars... Listen, they were looking for a star... And it really was a star. It was the Messiah star. It was the Christmas star. We, we understand that. And we think that maybe perhaps it was a special star that just appeared. No, when God literally, what it was was a clockwork star. God knew the very moment he would enter into human history and knew exactly where the star would be. And every, That is how in control God is, church. He is in control. Every single Detail was already set before he ever spoke, let there be light. That should give us comfort tonight, but that should also humble us to say simply this, Lord, you're God and I'm not. You're the Savior and I'm not. I think most of my time as a pastor is just convincing yourself and myself that we can't save ourselves. God had to send forth his son. These were big timers. And yet they came and just bowed down, went low, because they wanted to lift him up. Church, in, in in the rest of this Christmas season heading into 2024, if you want a different way in your life, if you want a different result from the end of 2024, because I'm afraid some of you have gotten to the end of 2023 and it looks like the end of 2022, which looked like the end of 2021, which looked at, like the end of 2020, which looked like the end of 2019. I came to give you a word tonight. There's a different way. And his name is Jesus. And it starts with a bowing down to him. Number two, it says they bowed down. And they didn't just bow down and pay him homage or, or bow down. And, and they worshipped. Everybody say worshipped him. Why did they go another way? To find another direction. So there's a spirit of humility we see. And a spirit of worship. Listen, worship will open up things to you. Like nothing else can. For 2024, I want us to get to the end of 2024 and be such a church of worship that God can't help but break out in this place, man. To be such a, we see this in the magi. We see this in the wise men. That Not only did they come with a spirit of humility and bow down, but it says that they began to worship him. And it strikes me, listen, this this is what strikes me. And it does strike me is when they came and bowed down showed humility and then they began to worship him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, offering their gifts to him, which we'll get to in a minute. What really strikes me is that, think about this, Jesus hadn't fed the 5,000. Jesus hadn't opened blinded eyes. Jesus hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus hadn't walked on water which tells us another key in this story is very important is not only do we come to God and humble ourselves under God's hand so it says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will raise you up God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble so humbling yourself under God and you'd be amazed at how many people just simply don't want to humble themselves under the hand of God that's the safest best place that you can be The, the announcement was made to the shepherds and we look at the shepherds and we get, again we get this cute little image because we're going to do a Christmas play of course Sunday night and we get this image of just these you know these cute little well put together shepherds shepherds were some of the meanest redneckest people Redneck is that a word it's not a word let's just call it a word they were rednecky is that a word rednecky okay they were rednecky and they were they were big tough Burly, because to be a shepherd, and we understand this in the life of David, to be a true shepherd, you had to defend the flock and kill something, and then they considered you, you okay now you 're a real shepherd these were these were tough, burly, but what did they do? They came and they bowed down, and these magi come in humility, but then they also began to worship, and Jesus was just a baby who had not done any, my point is simple, but it's profound. If you're waiting on Jesus and God to do something for you before you begin to release your worship, you're getting it backwards. Because I've learned in my life that it's as I begin to lift him up, it's as I begin to worship that my worship is warfare. My worship is more than just lifting up a song. If you would, in 2024, come into this place and understand that while you're worshiping, God is fighting your spiritual battles, you would begin to see victory in 2024, and you wouldn't end 2024 the same as the last 10 years, because you learn a key in your life that I don't have to have God to do what I want Him to do in order to say, God, you are good and great. If He never did anything but save me, church, I have something to worship him for. He hadn't done anything. But he came and he, they worshiped the king of kings and the lord of lords. In church, I want us to go to a new level of worship in the new year. I want us to go to a new place of worship in the new year. You worship team that are right in here, I want you guys to really hone in on that. And I want the congregation to hone in on it. Because I believe that God is restoring the house of David in the days we're living in. That the the tabernacle of David was a tabernacle of worship. It's a tabernacle, of, so we're going to have more times of worship in two thousand twenty four. Amen. Because you don't need another sermon. You need Jesus. You need to experience the God, the God of the Bible. And I know we've got new people from other churches here. I want you to know where you're at. We are a people that believe that you can encounter God, Amen. that you can experience Him. And that's emotional sometimes, amen? But they came and they worshiped. They not only came with a spirit of humility, which is so incredibly important. Spirit of humility just says, again, you're God and I'm not. That's a revelation for some of you sitting right here. Because I don't know all of you in a personal, deep way. It's, it's, it's good just to say, God, you know, I humble myself and I trust you. It's, it's in the valley that we learn to trust him. It's not on the mountaintop. When you're in the valley and you can't really see where you're going, you trust the voice of your shepherd. You trust the character of your shepherd. And they were looking for the sign of the Messiah. They were looking for God to come. And they found him. And they lived so far off. I wonder if people that we think are so far away from God are the ones that are actually the closest to him sometimes. Amen? Because you also have to notice in the story that Herod says, well, where is he going to be born? And the religious people knew. (laughs) Think about that. The scribes and the Pharisees were like, oh, the Messiah is going to be born right there in Bethlehem. And then they just went on back about their business. Church, don't do that at this Christmas season. Don't just go on about your routine, but understand that God is near and God is present. And he's waiting for us to just humble ourselves. He's waiting for you to begin to... And when we come into worship, again, we think it's about the words on the screen or the song that's being played. No, it's about your heart. If we can come into this, this atmosphere of God's presence with the right heart to say, God, you know, I don't need this to be figured out as I walk in the door. And it may not be figured out. My problem may not be solved when I walk out. But, God, I'm going to worship you anyway. If we could have that heart, huh, you'll go a new way like the Magi did. You'll, you'll find a new way through that issue, that issue and problem. And what I found out about God while I'm in here worshiping him, he's out there working on the problem. That's not just when I'm in here, when I'm worshiping in my car. And it's usually those times I feel the least like worshiping. Because imagine where they're walking into, church. They're walking into a stable. They're walking into a place of, again, these were high-ranking king's officials, magi, who looked at Daniel as the, the, the magi of magis. We know this from scholarly works. We know this from history. I'm not, I'm not speculating to you. It's, it's a fact. That the influence that Daniel brought to Babylon, isn't it just like God to bring and put his word right in the midst? Right, right, right in the back. in other words, what the what the Jews thought was the worst thing that happened to them was actually the thing that influenced and brought the true living God in their understanding of him. So they were looking for him because of what Daniel taught, and they had the books that Daniel brought. And they were looking for a Messiah. But they came all this way and they walk into a place that probably smelled and obviously had you know, all the different. It just It wasn't a place for the king of kings and the Lord. If I'm the king of kings and Lord of lords, I'm going to be born in the palace. Amen? <laughs> I just put me in the palace and have people hand away. But we see the beautiful story of Christmas is that God came to save his people and he did it in a humble way. And he deserves to be worshipped. Amen? Amen? Lord, help us this Christmas have that position in my heart to love you and to focus on you and to put you at the very center of our lives. Amen? Amen. Number three, they came and opened their treasure to him. They came and opened their treasure to him. In other words, they came of what they had, and in humility and in worship, they laid what they had, at the feet of the king. So in other words, they opened up their treasure and they honored him and they worshiped him. It says out of their own treasure. Everybody say own treasure. I mean, if I'm going to bless somebody, I'd like to bless them out of your treasure. Amen? Yeah. You want to take a big gift? I'll get you eight of those big suckers, man. Because if I could use your bank account, Frank, I'm looking at you, brother, right there. Frank says he's going to buy everybody's Christmas gifts for everybody that's here now but when god's calling us to something and it doesn't matter if it's giving in, a, in an offering or whether it's doing what you guys have so beautifully done and, and buying gifts or whatever but what god's calling you to do is to bring what you have and don't we feel like that's so insignificant sometimes i don't know about you but it does for me god why would you want this but it's an act of worship to come and lay it down in front of him their own treasure Because of this, and we know this from the Bible, because their treasure, it reflected what was in their hearts. Didn't Jesus say that? Where your treasure is, there your heart is. So that treasure was just a reflection of what was already in their hearts. And here's what they did. They surrendered their resources to the Son of God. And that's the same thing that God calls us to do. Not just at Christmas, but every single day of the year of taking up our cross, right? I don't have to take up your cross, Gwen. Take up my cross and follow him. So what does this do? To me, it makes Christmas personal. I bow down to him because of what he did in my life. I worship him because he's the worthy king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then I come and I give out of my treasure. Now, what is it that they brought to him? They brought gold, which gold symbolized that they believed that he was the king of kings and the lord of lords. Amen. Then they brought incense, which was frankincense. And this incense harkens back to the Levitical... Uh, things that God told them to do in Leviticus and other places where he told them, this is how I want you to worship me. So when they brought a grain offering, and this was important, because when they brought a grain offering, if you were just a burnt grain, and I don't know if you've ever been or lived around farms, but I've, I've smelled, well, you don't have to live around a farm. You ever burnt popcorn? Yeah. All right. Or have you ever not put the, the pan down in the crock pot and put your food in there and turned it on and left it all day? That smell. <laughs> so when you, listen, when you came into the temple, it wasn't just gold because they understood him as king. But this reflects, again, the worship part of, of what God commanded them to do in the Old Testament, which is now a spiritual reality that pointed to Christ, is that our worship should be a, should be a sweet-smelling savor to God. In other words, and I've said this before, my pastor used to say it, so I still use it because I do this in my everyday life. He would say, I'm going to rake the coals of yesterday's offering off of the altar and offer God a fresh sacrifice of praise. And listen, it doesn't matter how difficult or stinky or bad the situation is. If you can just get a little worship, a little frankincense, come on somebody. A little something on there. When you walked into the temple, you smelled a sweet smelling. It wouldn't have been because they were constantly doing offerings where they, I mean, come on, y'all, they were killing bulls and goats and then burning them and the fat and all those different stuff. So God's like, hey, I want this to be something different. So they brought the the myrrh, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and then myrrh was it was used to prepare bodies. So they listen, think about this. I don't know if you guys think this way, but I certainly do. When I read that. Again, I'm like, how did they know? They had a deeper, this is scary to me. Think about this. These wise men that lived hundreds if not thousands of miles away had a better understanding of what Messiah came to do. Because the Jews believed that there would be two messiahs. One that would suffer and that one would be a victorious conquering hero. They had it right in the beginning and we should have it right today. It's not two messiahs. It's one messiah, two different comings. Are you tracking with me? And we see here in the scripture very clearly that the myrrh was given. and, And when you read the Easter story, of course... Um, when Jesus' body was taken down, they went to Pilate and they said, hey, we would like to embalm. We would like to do our process, which included Nicodemus in the story, which is amazing. Nicodemus is the one, the Pharisee that came to Jesus by night under the cloak of darkness. And this is where we get the beautiful uh, story of Jesus talking about darkness and light and that you must be born again. This is what he told me. Nic- it was Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of Embalming, which was myrrh, which showed us what Jesus actually came to do. So it's all about Jesus. It's all about this time of year of operating in humility, of operating in a spirit of worship, of operating, again, to go a new way out of this year into the next. And when the calendar flips, it it doesn't alarm heaven. And God says, oh, it's 2024. We have to understand who God is and how he operates. It's not... He knows it, but it's not as important. For us, it's a place where we can say and start to believe that if God could send Jesus as a baby in a manger and God can raise him from the dead and seat him at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority, then your 2024 can be different if you learn some spiritual keys. If you learn how to humble yourself, if you learn in a fresh way of how to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if you learn how to take what you do have and offer it to God and not worry and not wait on the circumstance to change and then come in worship. And listen, I see people walk through that door and I know whether they've had a good week or not. You see me walk through that door and you're probably going to know pretty quick whether I've had a good morning or not. Because I let it affect me far more than I should. God is good no matter your circumstance. He just is. And then if we can learn to take what we do have and lay it at the feet of Jesus, then we would see miracles break out in our lives. Because I'm, I'm sure your life is like mine gets a lot of times. And at this time of year, it's a great little illustration to understand of how our lives get. But for me, and I don't know about you, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but growing up, when we pulled that old tree and we shoved it in the closet and pulled it out, had tinsel all over it, those lights never worked. So we just put more lights on it. We we were rednecky. Yeah. Okay? Better I nice. Okay, I'm, stop. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. We just put more lights on it. And that thing weighed like five thousand pounds before we got rid of it. Tinsel and half working and half not lights. And it never failed that is as hard as we would try, Leah and I, over the years. It's why you drive past my house and I look like the Grinch who stole Christmas. Because my kids have asked for 20 years for a blow-up, and I'm like, nope, because it's going to get a hole in it. It's gonna... If you walk into my house, it's, it's like the, the, the movie Elf, right? It's snowflakes everywhere and things over here and two trees and just is a winter wonderland. But if outside, because it never failed, whenever I would, I would put up a few lights, which Leah made me do, I'm just going to say that before God and everybody here, made me put up the lights outside. When I took them down, and it didn't matter how well I wrapped them up, when I, I don't know who got into that box. Between January, actually, actually we left him up half the year. Who am I lying to tonight? Eight, pull into my house. and Had somebody from the church stop by one time. I'm like, yeah, the lights are still up. And I just looked at it and I said, you can't hide money. It never failed that I would pull those lights out and they would just be a big ball. In 2023 heading into 2024, if we were to look inside of your heart tonight, your heart's like a big ball of lights. And I'm telling you tonight the truth, that there's only one that can untangle that, and his name's Jesus. It's only one person that can untangle those lights that get all tangled up, because it happens and we don't even realize it, that we're all bunched up, we're all worried and hurried and a concern and the kid has a cold and this one over here, you know, this one, you know, this family member's not doing well. If we could just focus on the peace that he gives What did the angel say? They said, I come to give you great tidings of joy. That wasn't because the Romans were getting ready to get get kicked out. It was because God controls reality itself. If he could send his son in the very moment that the star is in the place God said thousands of years before, it would be God is in control. And he knows how to take those lights and begin to work them out. And then guess what he does? Lights will not light up until you do what? Plug Plug it in. In 2024, some of you all just need to get plugged into the Holy Ghost. Some of you need a fresh baptism, or maybe you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because He's the only one that can empower you to live for Him. He's the only one that can straighten out those areas of our lives that are all bunched up and knotted up. Amen? But we, just like the Magi, who were big-time people, educated, highfalutin, Big-time people would make a journey all the way to Jesus' manger, humble themselves and bow down, begin to worship Jesus who had not done anything of significance, which means we're waiting on God to do the significant thing before we'll believe and follow him. That's not the way it works. We follow him like Peter said. He said, Lord, I'm not going to depart from you because you have the words of life. You, you, you know how to straighten out the messed-up lights. You know how to plug me into the power of the Holy Spirit, which will bless your life more on accident, just being in communion with Him, than you ever will on purpose. Amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight. I want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Bow your head and close your eyes. I sense this in the moment of giving anybody that's here an opportunity at this Christmas season. And maybe it's something I said about How God can orchestrate. And God really did orchestrate all this. He orchestrated the star to literally be right over this place where they could find the Messiah. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for the sign, which, again, was prophesied in the Old Testament. So many prophecies of who Messiah would be. I think it's over 700. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. That is a miracle in and of itself. He is who he said he is. And he did what he said he would do. The question tonight is: will you humble yourself under his mighty hand? Will you come to him and say, Lord, I don't know how to figure out all these things in my life, but I do know I'll commit tonight to humbling myself, to worshiping you, and for you, Lord, to take what little it seems like I do have. You don't have frankincense, myrrh, and gold, perhaps. If you do have gold, drop it in the bucket back there. It's your way out. Okay? You may not have those things, but listen, when you put those things in the hand of the King of Kings, it no longer becomes about what you don't have. It becomes about his power working through you. And that is beautiful. That is a beautiful thing. So let me ask this question. You say, Lord, I just need to humble myself and repent of some things in my life. Would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are so I can pray for you? Amen. Amen. I'm raising my hand too tonight. Just an attitude I had earlier this afternoon that just... I just feel like it offended the Holy Spirit. I repented of it right in that moment. But, Lord, we humble ourselves before you now. Lord, we acknowledge acknowledge to you that apart from you, we can do nothing. That, Lord, we pray tonight that you connect us in with the vine, the life-giving source of our power and strength is being connected into you. So, Lord... We humble ourselves. We make a fresh commitment at the end of this year, heading into the new year, that we will be people of worship, God. Not because of what you do for us, but because of who you are. The fact that you would come from heaven to earth to pay our price is enough, Lord. We know that you bless us in a million other ways because it's who you are. But, Father, tonight I want to commit to you, myself and as the church that we will be people of kindness and humility and love and spread your light all around. God, we're not saved by good works. We're saved for them tonight. So, Lord, as we go through this Christmas season, would you help us identify those who may just need a kind word? Would you help and identify those who may just need a prayer or even a smile, Lord? That's so simple. But, God, just like the Magi brought beautiful gifts to you, Lord, sometimes what we have to offer is so small, but Lord, we offer it to you tonight. We offer you our brokenness. We offer you even the sin that's in our hearts, Lord. We offer you, God, all the junk and thank you for the divine exchange that, Lord, you wash us clean and you place your precious Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Lord, tonight as we've come to your word and seen the truth, help us to be humble Help us to be worshipers and help us, Father, to keep our eyes fixed on you, that you may use us in a way that glorifies our Father in heaven. Help us during this Christmas season to see you in everything and not to get our eyes on all the other stuff, Lord. Father, I bless Christian Center tonight. Father, I pray that they would be not only blessed as they've walked in this room, but, Father, I pray they'd be blessed as they get in their cars and go home. May you watch over and protect them and our extended families. May your hand be upon them of protection. Put your angels around about them and guard them, Lord God, we ask. Father, we pray that, I pray that you would turn your face towards this congregation and each individual, and Father, I pray for peace and rest, that tonight as we leave here, may it be encouraged by the Holy Spirit, that Lord, you're in control, and God, you are fighting our battles on our behalf. We love you tonight, Lord. We praise you. And we thank you. Help us keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go in the name of the Lord, church. Be blessed. Love y'all. Listen, we'll see y'all Sunday. Come Sunday. I got a special word for you. I'm excited to bring it.